This is The Power Profile, stories of world-class leadership, hosted by award-winning broadcast journalist and media entrepreneur, Christina Mendonza. Get ready to connect with those defining success. This is The Power Profile, where we look at power in all forms of our personal and professional lives and talk to people who've leveraged power in their own lives. Today, Claudia Williams of Curious Leadership. Now, Claudia spent the early part of her career as a corporate attorney working on global HR and litigation for Hershey. As it is with many attorneys, they're called in when things go wrong. And she found herself at the tail end of so many situations that had gone bad and said she had to rebuild timelines and figure out where things went wrong and says she would often realize that breakdowns in communication caused all this heartache. And if only leaders and talent would communicate better, they all wouldn't find themselves in court. So she made a career change to work on the front end of those problems instead of the back end. And she wrote the book, Friendership, using friendship, mentorship, and leadership to drive profitability and build a sustainable competitive advantage. Now, 90% of all business transactions we do involve communication. I have seven quick steps for you to assess if you are communicating well. Number one, stay on message. Be clear exactly what ideas you're trying to express or the message you are trying to convey to the other person or group. What do you most want them to understand? Number two, make it a two-way conversation. Try to really hear and understand where others are coming from. What are they trying to say? So often, listening is not something that we do well day to day, but it really is important not to be thinking of how you're going to act, uh, react back, but really listen to what they're saying. Pay special attention, not to just what they're saying, but what isn't being said. Number three, making sense of it all. Always ask yourself, does what I'm saying make sense? Does the feedback I'm receiving make sense? Number four, you are responsible for any failure to communicate. If you are in leadership, you are 100% responsible for the other person's understanding of that communication. If they don't understand you, it's on you. Try again. Number five, can you hear them now? Do you really hear what others are saying? To really listen requires your full attention and being able to feed back to them exactly what you have heard them say. Number six, repetition. Ask them to repeat back their interpretation of what has been said or asked of them. In order to guarantee the result or reaction you want, you need to make sure that your audience can give you a clear explanation of what is being required of them. And number seven, Respect your audience as you respect yourself. You must first recognize that your message is not just about you or what you want. It's about what's in it for the audience. In broadcasting, we call this with him. What's in it for me? And it's the way we want our audience to feel as they're watching us and what we keep in mind as we are putting these stories together and producing our work. What's in it for me? The audience is always going to be looking for you to answer that question. Now, those tips are courtesy of Joel Garfinkel. He's one of the top 50 executive coaches in the United States and consistent with the graduate work I've done in communications and leadership. So just great tips there. Get ready for more great tips now. Here's Claudia Williams. Claudia Williams joins me now. Thank you so much for making time. Uh, I appreciate it. How are you today? 
I'm doing great, Christina. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. I want to talk to you first about this transition you made between your career as an attorney. So going from a love of law to a love of of helping people and leaders really fill out their leadership style. How did that transition go? Yeah, I think what I learned through the practice of law was that I loved working with leaders and I loved the, the leadership aspect of it and the coaching and counseling side of what I did. And I just hated arguing for a living. (laughs) So, um, and so fortunately, because of my practice area, I was, I was a labor and employment lawyer by trade. And I spent so much time in that coaching and counseling space, helping leaders solve people problems and helping leaders solve people problems that impacted business. And and so I was able to, after after more than a decade, say, you know what, I just want to stop the arguing side of it. And I mean, the funny story is that I told my husband, I really think I want to stop practicing law and get more into this coaching and consulting space. And he said, great, you know, let's sit down and make a three-year plan and figure out oh, how much should we have in savings for you to really launch a business and all this kind of stuff? And I nodded my head because he's a very calculated planner. And I said, okay, yeah, we'll do that. Sure. And a couple of weeks later, I called him and said, it's a three-month plan because I gave my notice. Because if I spend (laughs) spend three more years doing this, I might hurt myself or somebody. Right. So so I, I made the leap. Wow. So you were done. Uh, is, was it that you also saw problems that you thought, okay, before we got to this space, I can like, you know, connect the dots going backward and see what we should have been doing or what this leader should have been doing months ago? Yeah, you know, the the real impetus was that over and over again, when things came to me, they had blown up. And so I had to reverse engineer timelines to really understand what happened and why we were in the position we were in. And over and over again, the patterns were the same. It was a breakdown in communication, a breakdown in accountability. And and ultimately it boiled down to leadership. And what I didn't see were these early interventions. And I kept saying, gosh, if only someone had jumped in here at this point in the process, we might have been able to avoid this big blow up and maybe someone wouldn't be losing a job right now, or maybe someone wouldn't be feeling the way they feel. And this information gap, you know, when people don't have information or when people aren't talking to each other, we assume the worst. And so I thought, gosh, you know, maybe I could get in on the front end and teach people to communicate better or teach people to be better leaders and and show them the impact it can have if they're doing these things on the front end, because I certainly know what it costs on the back end when it's yeah. not happening. So that was that was my passion behind the move when it came to people and leadership. So when it comes to labor or, you know, I guess I, I should say talent, I mean, it's usually the biggest thing on the balance book. It's, the, it's a company's largest expense is their talent. Why don't you think more leaders take uh, initiative or or interest in their relations with talent? I think there was a period of time when leaders looked at people as a thing, 
as as something that we are going to get the most out of this thing that we can, and then we will just replace them. Meaning, well, if they're unhappy and they don't like it here, there's the door. Mm-hmm. And and they're so easy to come by, somebody else will just come in that door as someone else is walking out. And there was a period of time when it was like that. And and it's it's interesting, Christina, that you used the word expense because I use the word investment. Mm, yeah. And it's and it, you know, and if we if we looked at people like um, you know, if you looked at if you if we looked at people like a stock or something where we know if we put in a little bit of of money, it has the potential to return that return on investment could be huge over time. But you know, in instant gratification, we just want to we want to suck the life out of people like vampires, and then when we're done, we cast them aside. And and where's the where's the new blood? And now we know better, and we understand the cost of doing that. And that's when people are an expense. But people can really be the best investment that that leaders in a business make, because. They won't leave. They'll stay. They'll put in extra discretionary effort. They will care as much about the company if they know we care about them. You know, it's a totally different ballgame. It's interesting. I was talking to um, someone in a similar space as yours, and and they were saying, especially with younger people coming into the workforce, they don't feel that sense of loyalty because it hasn't been fostered. So that period of time that you're talking about in which businesses just felt like anyone was expendable, um, that that um, rubbed off on how employees feel about companies, which is why you see so many people job hopping. And, uh, you know, I, I talked to a leader who said, it seems like now employees won't even talk to you. They won't come to you and say, I'd like to do this or that. They just come to you with their two weeks notice and they're gone. Yeah. Well, in my response to that is why should they, what have you done that makes them feel invested in you? Are you invested in them? Do they feel like you're invested in them? Because if they just feel like they're supposed to show up and do stuff every day and you don't know anything about who they are or what matters to them or what they're passionate about or what their kids' names are or what they like to do on the weekends, then why should they come to you and ask you anything? Why should they do anything other than say, I'm going somewhere else? Right. So when you come in to work with a leader, what is kind of the first audit you do in helping them understand where they are and where they need to be? Yeah, a lot of times leaders will come to me and say, you know, there's something going on and I'm not quite sure what it is. So can you, can you kind of help us figure that out? And so depending on the size of the organization, sometimes I need to start electronically. I need to gather some electronic data if it's a big organization and and if it's a smaller team or department i'll just sit down and start talking to people and it's funny because sometimes the ceo or the the c-suite leader will say you know i'm not so sure people are gonna be candid or or honest and i have found time and again that when people are given an opportunity to share they share freely and and they will openly say what it is they need that they aren't getting or what it is they love that they want to make sure they keep getting 
and I learn a lot about what's working and what isn't working. And then I just, I synthesize that information and I'm looking for themes, right? Because there's, there's always an outlier on both the great side and the not great side. So it's not, about, it isn't so much about the outliers, but it's about the overwhelming themes about what's happening inside an organization and what the culture really is. And then I want to, from there, make some recommendations for a couple of things, because we don't build Rome in a day. But it's about, you know, what are the what are the biggest places and spaces where we can start making an impact that will positively affect people in a really great way. And and so there's there's low hanging fruit that is escaping people. And so where can we where can we start in the next three months and six months and nine months and twelve months to to effectuate some change. And, and it always comes back to leadership. Hmm. Uh, tell me a bit about the strategies that you put forth in your book, Frentorship. Um, I love the name, by the way. And, you know, we all need mentors, but how do you, uh, what strategies do you apply in this book? Thanks. Yeah, it's so foundationally, there, there are core elements of relationships that apply whether we are at home with our families or with our friends or we're at work. And so we, we need to have these, these core elements of respect and trust to have loyalty. We need these in every aspect of our lives. And so what, what I try to do is help people understand how to have appropriate relationships at work and how leaders can begin to establish relationships maybe when they haven't had anything than these arm's length relationships with people at work with members of their teams and so i i I try to give them really simple ways to start getting connected whether they're in a physical workspace every day or they're in a fully virtual workspace or it's a mix and it it starts really small so sometimes you know if you if we live and die by our calendars like i do we might need to set little reminders to get up get out of our office walk around say hello to people look at what we have in our physical workspaces we put stuff on our desks that that are meaningful and important to us because we want to be reminded of them when we're not around them. So just be really curious and ask people about what we see. And if we're in a in a virtual space, one of the things I do when I get on Zoom or Teams meeting is I ask people about what I see in the backgrounds. Um, I we can create fun in these environments too. So if we're having team meetings, create a theme for the virtual backgrounds. We don't always have to have fuzzy backgrounds so no one can see what's happening, right? I mean, we're in these spaces. Let's make the best of them and, right. and have some fun and build some connectivity. And and so maybe once a month, it's a different theme. Maybe it's an 80s rock band music cover or it's your favorite movie screenshot something, make it your background, create a conversation and connectivity around it. That's a great idea. Little, you know, I mean, we're here. Why not make the best of it? And these little things give us insights into humanity 
And these little things add up over time. And that's how we get connected. And it's that connection that establishes trust. And high trust organizations are way more productive. They have way less sick time. They have way higher engagement. And they have way higher retention. It, this is just, I mean, they, these are the organizations that knock it out of the park. Right. You know, it's interesting uh, you talk about the virtual backgrounds and some of the ideas because that was kind of where I was going to take you next is a lot of leaders are worried because so many employees really want to work hybrid. Some want to be staying home all the time. There, there are a number of leaders that are concerned they won't be able to have that cohesive company culture that they're trying to build if they're not all together in an office. Yep. Yeah, and, and it doesn't need to be that way. So we can create really important cultures, whether we are, oh, okay, so it's pouring right now. Oh, yeah. And I'm opening my door so my dog can come in. Oh, yeah, that's okay. Outside, so everybody can hear the pouring <laughs> rain right now. Um, so welcome to, welcome to our virtual live. Absolutely, right? yes. Um, so there we go. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, engagement and connectivity was challenging and difficult when we were all showing up in person. And then in the blink of an eye, work life changed for so many people. Leadership didn't get easier. <laughs> if anything, for many people, it got more challenging. So we have to be purposeful and intentional about how we connect when we're not seeing people every day because now we can't just get up and walk out of our office if we're in a hybrid or virtual environment. So we have to think about, gosh, I'm not walking down the hall to go to a meeting and having that chit chat, that, that little bit of five minutes of connectivity. I can't just show up in a virtual meeting room now and get right down to business. I have to purposefully create five minutes at the beginning of a meeting to say hello, to warm up the space, to get people connected with each other. I can't just jump right in. So how can we do that? You know, what's, what's a prompt? What's a theme? What, what can we do to create connectivity when we don't have it the, way, the same way we used to? Right. I want to turn a little bit to kind of what this has done uh, in your life. Like, how are you different now that you aren't practicing law every day and doing this? I mean, you're obviously passionate about it, have great ideas, have great, um, a great track record already doing what you do. But how is, how, are, how are you different? How is your life different? For one thing, I'm a lot happier. Um, <laughs> it's for anyone who starts to really connect with what they love to do. I mean, so as, as a, as an individual, I, I feel like I'm on my own personal path. So there's that side of it, but I, I feel like there's, there's so much, oh gosh, that's, that's such a great question. Um, my life is different. My personal life is different in so many ways. I, when I left my job at, at Hershey, it was the perfect time for me to be doing what I was doing. I learned so much being able to travel the globe and you know be sitting one day in China 
across the table from local government leaders negotiating a labor dispute. And, and so I felt like I, I learned a ton and I'm able to apply that knowledge and experience to the work I do now, but I'm doing it in such a different way where I feel like I'm having a different impact. I feel like I have the ability now to really help people learn to love where they are, love what they're doing, love the people they're working with, love how they show up. And when when these pieces of the puzzle come together, they're happier. They're so much happier doing what they're doing, where they're doing it, and the people they're doing it with. It everything changes. And has changed you and, as a result. And it, it's changed me completely. I'm happier. I'm happier. And so it's it's this ripple effect. Um, I'm happier. I'm, it's, it's so interesting because two years into doing this work, I had a client ask me to cut, quit my business and join them full time as a vice president. And I was talking about it over dinner with my family. My daughters were 10 and 12 at the time. And, and my 12 year old looked at me and said, you're not going to do it, are you? And I said, well, why? She said, I really like the way things are now. And, and as I explored that question, I learned from her that I was much more present. Hmm. Not that I was physically present. I was just much more present. Isn't that interesting how, you know, our children, our family, or even just friends and, and loved ones in our lives may um, not know all the intricacies of what they do, but they can see its impact on us and on them. Yeah. It, and it really was about feeling because I'm sure as you can relate it, I'm not working any less. <laughs> I work a ton. You know, yep. it's, I work a ton, but I work differently. It's more in line with your values and vision for your life, which is a yes. beautiful place to be, really, really. Yes. You work a lot with leaders, but I'm curious about employees. You know, I've discussed the concept of self-management with people um, quite a bit. And I, I'm fascinated by that. I mean, if an employee is in a situation, I mean, how, how can you employ self-leadership or self-management to improve your situation at work? I talk about this a lot with employees and and it comes up in any number of scenarios and one of the one of the most consistent themes is mindset and understanding that not everything is forever and I talk a lot about the concept of for now. And so just because it, it, an employee might be mid-level or not the CEO um, I, I explained that, you know, we are just as much responsible for the culture we want and the behaviors we want as any other leader in an organization. And so we don't have to wait or expect someone else to do something. We can set the standard for what we want. And, and so we can, you know, if, if we think that if we're working somewhere and we think it isn't the culture that we want, 
well, what am I doing about it from the standpoint of how I'm showing up? So no matter where I am, an org chart doesn't define leadership. Every individual is a leader. We're all leaders on our own journey. Mm-hmm. And I'm responsible for how I show up and how I react. And I can own that and I should own that 100%. So I have the ability to influence, not control, but I can, I can sure work really hard at influence. And, and a lot of that is about how I show up and what am I demonstrating and, and what am I putting out into the, into the world around me. So I can certainly be what I want others to be. And then, you know, from a mindset perspective, I can, I can show up with a frame of mind, even if I'm not happy or even if I think I'm not going to be where I am forever, I can show up as this is my for now, what is the gift or opportunity that I am going to learn from this experience in my for now? And in the meantime, I, I will look for my what's next, but I'm going to get the most out of my for now because there's something here that I'm, I'm going to learn, even if it means I'm going to learn from what not to do or what I don't want to be in this space or or whatever it is there's something here for me and i'm going to find the gift or opportunity here and it's a mindset and it can change you know that it's a it's a much more positive way than having that pit in your stomach when you're in a in a place or space that you don't like it's so true. You learn, I mean, from good experiences, bad experiences and everything in between, and they all add to what you become, as did your, your entire career as an attorney and everything that you learned along the way, uh, leading to your present career. You know, something I ask all of my guests, and I'll ask you now, is what, what kind of habit or uh, hobby do you have that helps you replenish when you feel like You've, you know, had a lot of output, a lot of creative energy, and you're feeling a bit depleted. Is there a hobbit ha- hobby habit or uh, something you do every day when you get up or when you go to bed that helps you kind of center yourself and be, show up better for your clients? Yeah, so I, I actually do some really purposeful, short meditations throughout the day. So periodically, so first thing in the morning, and then about three times during the day, I'll do 90 second to two minute brief meditations just for resets or at any time before I think I might be having a difficult conversation. I'll, I'll do purposeful mindset uh, meditations. But the, the big thing I do, because I tend to, I tend to work myself and know that I'll overschedule to the point of burnout. Mm-hmm. I know this about myself. So I started a couple of years ago, around November each year, I look ahead to the calendar for the whole next year. And about every 10 or 11 weeks, I block four or five days off on my calendar. And they're my reset days. And, and so kind of along the concept of a nice long weekend, I purposefully block time off, not necessarily to go anywhere, but to just not do. 
So it's my reset time to just kind of do whatever I want, which could be nothing or maybe get away for a long weekend, but to just not have days full of meetings. I just need to catch up. I might clean my office. I might clean out my refrigerator. <laughs> it could be totally random stuff. It's just that I know I, I will need to catch my breath. Right. And so I've, I've learned that about myself. And, and that's my, those are my big recharge moments. That's a good one. That's one I haven't heard from anyone before. I like that. It, you're right because I mean, you, as a as a entrepreneur, they just tend to work themselves silly, and I'm the same way. I, I will fill up my whole schedule if I don't have strategies, um, you know, to to take a break every once in a while. So I like that looking ahead to the year and and building that in before those meetings can ever be scheduled. Yeah, and it's and it's proven to be one of the best things I've ever done. Excellent. Well, Claudia, tell us how we can get in touch with you. How can listeners reach out if they'd like to have more contact with you? Uh, yeah, easy. Just go to claudia-williams.com and all of my contact info is there or you can fill out the you know contact me button and I will respond. All right. And friendship, we can find that uh, anywhere books are sold? It's on Amazon and Audible. Wonderful. Oh, Audible too. I love when authors put stuff on Audible. I'm always disappointed if there's an, an audio version because I'm running around during the day so much. That's how I usually get most of my books read. I, I have them read to me as I'm doing stuff I need to do. I love that. Same, same, same. Thank you. <laughs> all right, Claudia, thank you so much for your time. We appreciated all your expertise. Have a wonderful day. Thanks so much, Christina. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Claudia Williams, and uh, I hope you get in touch with her on the front end instead of the back end. <laughs> so, you know, everyone needs good attorney, but uh, usually you want to cut off those problems before they start. A couple of things from my world at Mendonca Media. I've launched a new initiative based on this podcast. It's called The Power Profile. It's a mini documentary for C-suite execs and thought leaders to increase reputation and reach. My team and I, we come in, we do an extensive interview with you. We collect great B-roll photos. We pull together your story in a way that helps your customers, constituents, and investors see your place in their world. And you can reach out to find out more at mendonsamedia.com. Also, while you're there, sign up for my newsletter. In addition to my broadcast experience, I do do studies in leadership and communication. That was my graduate uh, degree. I love to share new research, information, news about that world through my newsletter. And a bit of exciting information to share about my collaboration with McLeod Media. That's my good friend, Will Frampton, and his company out of Boston. The documentary we co-produced, COVID Lost and Learned, is nominated for an Emmy. It is an hour of global insight, stories from the heart, and a very different view of the pandemic. You can see the whole thing at covidll.com. I absolutely love creating all of this for you. I just get charged by conversations about leadership and, and best work practices. Please reach out at any time through Mendonca Media with feedback. Thank you for spending some time with me here and be on the lookout for more stories of power right here on the podcast version of The Power Profile. This has been The Power Profile with Christina Mendonca. Stay connected through mendonzamedia.com.